and welcome to Down with the Browns. And welcome back to another episode of Down with the Browns. You're here with your host, Christian. And in today's episode, I'm just going to talk about about how the Browns dominated the Pro Bowl and all of the festivities, um, how we got Chris Kiffin. He's coming back to the D-line room. He's coming back from Old Miss, the short stint. Um, the whole OBJ thing, uh, Hugh Jackson. <laughs> and I'm going to go a little bit in depth with some college prospects. Um, this will actually be probably a shorter episode. So, uh, but uh, before I get started and all that, I just I want to give a big shout out to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, it's they're making a a little bit easier for the past season with the Browns. They're getting, making it a little bit easier because they're out here dominating and eating and proving that the East still goes through uh, Cleveland. So that's something we love. Um, but anyways, going back to the Browns. Uh, in in the Pro Bowl week, you had guys like Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, and Joe Batonio just out there feasting. Um, they're probably one of the most uh, flag football, two hand touch licking games I've ever seen in professional sports history. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Miles Garrett did have a pick six. That was batted up by T.J. Watt. He got it and took it to the crib, and he picked off Kirk Cousins for that pick six. Uh, Denzel Ward, I think, if if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had a pick six or not pick six, a pick. Um, Nick Chubb balled out in the uh, in one of the festivities. They did the 40 yard dash, but uh, Michael Parsons ended up winning that. But he was right there, pretty much stride for stride with Michael Parsons. But you know. At the end of the day, you can't win them all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that's that on the Pro Bowl. And uh, moving forward, going back to the uh, Kiffin situation, we got news today that uh, Chris Kiffin is coming back to the uh, to the Browns to coach the D-line room. There, uh, a couple weeks ago, he announced that he was going to go join his brother Lane Kiffin at the Old Miss Rebels, and he was going to be the co-defensive coordinator and, I believe, linebacking coach. But uh, I guess after a little realization, he wanted to come back and coach Miles Garrett and, the, and coaching the dog pound. So it's always good to see. Uh, I think that's going to make it a little bit easier to uh, bring back Jadavion Clowney and bring in some veteran D-lineman in free agency. I think that uh, after this year, a lot of people realized how dominant that D-line room is, or the D, the defensive edges, and how they uh, how they feasted. I mean, Miles broke the sack record in a season. Clowney had almost double-digit sacks, so you about had two Browns players in double-digit sacks this year, and that's not including the defensive tackles and Tack McKinley and all the other guys that played the edge along with them because they weren't out there every snap. So, I mean, that plays a big part. And, you know, he he obviously got them boys ready to go on Sunday, put them in the right situations to produce and 
give it their all and it, it's just it's good to see him coming back and helping out and uh moving forward on to the obj situation uh obj actively telling players not to come to cleveland that burns me up a little bit not gonna lie um I was rooting for the guy. I really loved him in Cleveland. Um, was really sad that him and Baker never really got that connection. But uh, after that came out, I've lost all respect for OBJ. Um, I know that the Bengals and the Rams are playing in the Super Bowl. But I don't know how this is, would even be possible, but I hope both teams lose. Um, or the Rams win and do not give Odell Beckham a ring. Uh, <laughs> but after that... You know, it's it, it hurts you a little bit as a Browns fan because you know you uh, you rooted for this guy. He he was saying all the right things to the media. He acted like he wanted to be here, but at the end of the day, it seemed like he uh, he hated it here. And after a playoff year, going into the year, he told Vaughn Miller not to come to Cleveland. You know, that's that's not not very good teammate and it feels like a lot of the teammates in Cleveland really loved him and it felt like that like I've said on here numerous times it felt like as soon as he left it felt like the locker room got divided and I believe that actually is still true a little bit you know because feels like they're choosing the teammate Nodell Beckham over the city of Cleveland and the Browns a little bit but you know at the end of the day we can't control what OBJ does can't control what anybody does um but it, it just hurts a little bit to hear that you know because i mean personally i have three obj jerseys um we'll never wear them again so they'll just sit in the closet just chilling there on the hanger <laughs> so uh but yeah that's that's just not something that i wanted to see or hear about and uh yeah it was a little tough to swallow but uh Moving forward, there was actually some more news, some more Browns news that uh, hit the fan, and it was uh, with former head coach Hugh Jackson, <laughs> and he came out and said that uh, he got offered money to lose games by Jimmy Haslam, and all this happened, of course, after the uh, Brian Flores situation with the Miami Dolphins in the NFL, where uh, he got or he is now suing the league and uh, I think I'm not 100% sure on the whole situation but I know that there's a lawsuit happening from his party and he claims that he was offered to he was offered 100k by the dolphins to lose and obviously he didn't cuz the last 2 years he had winning records but um uh, yeah it but <laughs> Hugh Jackson just jumped on that bandwagon, and I guess he was just trying to save his reputation around the league because, I mean, everybody remembers Hugh Jackson as the coach of 1-31, Odin 16, 1-15. That's just going to stick with him whether <laughs> those accusations were even true. I mean, Jimmy Haslam quickly clapped back and said that he has never helped anybody out as much as he did Hugh Jackson, in order to succeed. And Hugh actually came out a few days later and said that those uh, those statements were false and that he lied, which, uh, which I mean, we all kind of knew that he was lying about it because <laughs> some of the stuff that got called and drew up, you're like, no, nah, man, there's no way that 
this that you're getting paid to lose games and plus the talent on the rosters were not that good at all but <laughs> it, it was uh it was quite funny to see Hugh Jackson back on the uh on the breaking news boards on ESPN and around the sports world and kind of got Brown's Twitter a little distracted from the Baker Wars. So it's always good when we get distracted from that because seems like that's all anybody ever wants to talk about is the Baker Wars. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite comical seeing Hugh Jackson pop up out of nowhere and claim all that. But, uh uh it's i think it's about time to move forward to the defensive tackles and i've got a few defensive tackles that kind of stand out to me um i don't believe these are your first round selections for the browns but they could possibly be like a trade-up situation slash second round third round i i mean it's still kind of early to um to kind of project where people are going to go because the combine's not happened, the pro days haven't happened. You've kind of just got to see people that attended the senior bowl and just college tape, really. And um, some of these guys that uh, have really caught my eye are, uh, well, I've got five of them. I'm just going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. He is a senior. He stands at six foot three, weighing in at three fifteen. Uh, he had eighteen total or eighteen solo tackles. He had two point five sacks and two forced fumbles this year. And I think he, I believe he had thirty eight, thirty nine tackles on the season. And I think he would be a, a great fit here in Cleveland. He, uh, he's a bigger boy. He's got some power to him, and I mean, playing in the SEC, it's it's a little bit different there. It's a little more grit and grind, and uh, he just won a national championship. So, I mean, you know, that defense was really dominant, probably one of the best in college football history, I believe. But uh, PFF has him graded at the rank number 11 in, I guess, defensive linemen. Um and I guess that goes for edge and just total D-line. Uh, but total, his grade totally is a 90 or 89.8. And his run defense graded out at 81.9. His pass rush graded out at 84. And then his coverage was a 73.4, which we won't really need him to play in coverage. But he had 423 total snaps. He had 263 pass rushing snaps. And run defense was 158 snaps. And, you know, uh, well, actually he had two coverage snaps. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. He's not height-wise, but he's, his weight's up there. He's got a little bit of speed to him. He's dominant and in the lanes he wins a lot of his matchups and i mean to be that good in the sec i mean you're obviously going to be a tank if you're producing like that and you know when you produce like that you're going to win a championship which they did so uh, it was he's he's a tank sadly i got to watch him play against my cats and he uh, <laughs> him and jordan davis kind of 
kind of clogged up the middle and we really didn't run much against them so but uh yeah i think that's a name the browns are keeping gonna keep their eyes on another guy um he's actually in the sec as well i actually got to see this guy play live um his name is neil farrell jr he is 6'4 325 pounds and out of the lsu louisiana state university um he had 20 solo tackles, two sacks, uh, 45 total tackles on the year, and he had two pa- uh, <laughs> two pass deflections. Um, you know, uh, LSU really didn't have the year that they normally do. They're usually one of your top teams in their nation, and after the past couple of years, they've really lost a lot of their team uh, I mean, you noticed that right off the bat this year with that LSU squad. They didn't have the same caliber of talent. But I feel like uh, Neil Farrell, he he was one of the few that were still from that lineage of the uh, national championship with uh, Joe Burrow and and Grand Elpit and all them boys. So, um, but uh, yeah, going over those stats, I'm going to head over to PFF and look at his PFF grades and his total... Our defensive overall grade is a 89.7. He, uh, that's right behind Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, and that's just 0.2 lower. So, uh, overall, it's not much of a difference. According to PFF, um, he's, he's a little bit bigger. He's inch taller, about 10 pounds heavier, um, which he was the number one guy. He really didn't have to share the uh, the load, really, with the starting snaps with as uh, Devontae Wyatt did. So he got a little more action out on the field. Uh, but uh, his uh, defensive pass rush grade was a seventy eight point eight, and his defensive rush or run defense grade was eighty nine point nine. And he had a total of 446 defensive snaps, 218 defensive or rushing defensive snaps, and 228 pass rushing snaps. So it looks like he got a little more, a um, couple more snaps than Devontae Wyatt. Uh, but uh, it looked like he got a little more, he's getting a little more uh, attention from the O lines that he was facing. So it made it a little bit harder for him to produce, and he was still producing, produced about the same as Devontae Wyatt, uh, and he still produced really well, Sean. So, I mean, that's why he graded so well and put up the stats he did. He did fairly well. Uh, I think that if the Browns want to go in the direction of more pass – or not pass rushing, uh, defensive run stopping, I think that this would be a better pick. And I think that um, that's what he's better at. He's better at uh, stopping the run than he is pass rushing, as Devontae is better at pass rushing. But, uh, yeah, they're both still really good targets um, for the Browns. Uh, another target that I think the Browns are going to keep their tags tags <laughs> tabs on is Logan Hall out of Houston. Um He's six six, so he's a little bit bigger. He's about the same. He is the same height as uh, Jordan Davis, but he's not the same weight. He's about, 
I want to say like 80 pounds lighter than Jordan Davis. And he he's uh, 275, so he's a little bit more agile. Uh, I mean, the dude was had a great season. He got to the quarterback. Uh, he had a lot of sacks for a defensive tackle. And he had six, which is tied for the 97th in all of college football. So that's the big top 100 in, as a defensive tackle in sacks. That's pretty impressive. Um, he had 24 solo tackles and 47 total, or uh, he had, yeah, he had 24 solo tackles and 47 total tackles. Uh, but, you know, just from the 2020 season to the 2021 season, to go from one sack to six sacks, that's, that's a big jump. So, you know, he put in that work. He pretty much doubled his uh, total tackle and his assist ta- assisted tackles and you know when you see that improvement it, re- it really just opens your eyes because you're like okay this guy actually puts in the work he's willing to grind um, and he also graded really well with PFF uh, he had a 83.4 overall defensive grade uh, his run defense was a 78 and his pass rushing was a 84.9 he had he had more snaps than the other two guys he had 513 total snaps 213 were uh run defense and 296 of them were pass rush but you know when you've got that physical uh big man like a if you get like a logan thomas you can put him in there and, I mean, he's obviously going to eat and get to the quarterback because, I mean, they're going to have their attention on Miles Garrett. And if we retain Jadavion Clowney, I mean, that's going to that's gonna get a lot of attention. And last year, I mean, people like Malik McDowell and Malik Jackson, I mean, they were doing their jobs. But, you know, we really need that physical defensive tackle. And I don't feel like we can go out and pay a guy. So that's why I believe that we need to get us a bigger guy in the draft. And I think a guy like Logan Hall would be a great pick in probably the second or if you got to trade up and get him in the late first. I mean, you about needed you got about got to get this guy. He's so big. He's agile. He's quick. Uh, he almost plays like a defensive end, but at the tackle position just because he's so big. And I guess where he's so quick and so strong, it just throws off the opposing offensive linemen. And normally, your defensive tackles are your bigger O-linemen, and your guards are they're not as big, but they're still big. So that's why, like, if you put, like, a defensive edge rusher in, like, inside, he's usually going to beat that guard unless he, you know, gets the advantage on him or if he's just a really good guard. <laughs> But, yeah, that's like usually your defensive tackles are your bigger guys. So I think that's why it throws off these uh, these O-linemen, and that's why he can get to the uh, quarterback so well is because he's so agile with his height and his weight. But uh, I think that's about all I, I really got on uh, Logan Hall. Moving forward, there's another guy out of uh, UConn. His name is Travis Jones. He had 4.5 sacks. He had 16 total tackles. Um, he had 48 
total tackles. I mean, he had 16 solo tackles. My apologies. Uh, he had 48 total tackles. Um, he stood at six foot four, always in at 333 pounds. Uh, so he's a he's a bigger boy uh, for his he's heavier. So it, <coughs> he's uh, he's obviously going to be good in the trenches. He's got that weight to him, so uh, he's obviously going to be pretty good at stopping the run, you know, because usually your bigger boys in the trenches, they hold their own. Uh, but moving on to uh, PFF, his um, – let's, let's find him on here. Oh, here he is. He actually graded right up there with uh, Neil Far uh, Neil Farley, Neil Farrell, and uh, Devonte Wyatt. He uh, overall defensive grade he had an eighty seven point six. His rush defense was an eighty six point eight. His pass rush was an eighty seven or or seventy eight point eight. He had five hundred and eighty four total defensive snaps, two hundred and seventy one. Uh, rushing defensive snaps and 313 pass rushing and so he's he's a bigger boy um actually pff has him listed at 6.5 espn has him listed at 6.4 so i guess he's one of them boys that kind of either hot he might be like right in the middle of them so he claims both uh (laughs) but uh yeah it looks like he's a monster in the trenches it looks like that's where he usually gets it done at, um, but I mean the four point five sacks. I mean that means he can get to the quarterback pretty good. So as long as the Browns can get us a a good defensive tackle to watch and produces constantly, <laughs> be nice to help out Miles Garrett and possibly Jadavion Clowney. As I said, it's just going to be something fun to watch, you know. But uh. Uh, moving forward, as uh, the last guy I've actually got, because I only picked out five guys I really wanted to go over in this episode of the podcast. Uh, this guy's a little, he's not as tall as the other guys. He's uh, hes a little bit heavier than uh, Logan Hall out of Houston, but uh, he's, he's a little more, I guess, aggressive um, for... His height, he kind of puts me in the mind of like a, a Aaron Donald type guy, you know, just a smaller defensive tackle that can get to the quarterback and is just a stud. Uh, it's uh, Curtis Brooks out of Cincinnati. Uh, by the way, I was not comparing this guy to be near as good as um, Aaron Donald, but that's just kind of who he puts me in the mind of just because of his height and his, his durability and his agility. Um but uh, going to his stats, he had 7.5 sacks at the defensive tackle position, 32 solo uh, tackles, one forced fumble, 56 total tackles, and one fumble recovery, actually. So it shows that he's he's out there a lot. He, get, he produces quite a bit. And, you know, the Bearcats did make the college playoffs this year. So, I mean, he showed out when he had to, and, you know, he, he did a little bit of damage against Alabama with six total tackles. 
So, I mean, when you're doing that at the defensive position or defense tackle position, you know, that's pretty impressive doing that. So, uh, but uh, moving forward, going to his defensive or his defensive, uh, I mean, his PFF grades, he actually graded fairly well as um, as the other guys. His uh, defensive, his overall defensive grade was a 82.3. His de- his rushing defense was a sixty nine point nine. His pass rushing grade was a ninety point four. So that's the highest out of them all, actually. And he had five hundred sixty eight snaps, two hundred sixty four rushing defensive snaps, and three hundred four pass rushing snaps. So he was out there quite a bit and produced. Um, it shows that he's he's better at pass rushing than he is uh, run stopping. So he would be the guy that you'd probably throw out there to get to the quarterback. He'd be your third down type of defensive tackle. Uh, but, you know, you always need a guy that can do both. Um, but, I mean, you're obviously going to rotate guys. And I feel like he's a guy that you could do. You could play every snap. So, I mean, he's... He's produced, and he showed what he can do, you know. But, uh, yeah, those were some guys I felt like that the uh, Browns should possibly keep uh, tabs on moving forward in the draft process. Doesn't mean that they're all going to be available. They could all get picked really early or fall off the face of the earth, but uh, that's just how it works. (laughs) And it's still, very, like I said, it's very early with – the combine not happening happening yet. The uh, pro day's not happening yet. So all I can change, guys' stocks can fall or rise. So, uh, But, yeah, those are just some names to keep in mind moving forward and just some fun guys to watch on tape. Um, but, yeah, I think that, uh, that concludes this episode. Uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um uh, I'll try to get more content out. Um, it's just been it's been busy, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun time to be a Browns fan. I feel uh, a lot of speculations and free agencies coming up. It's a month and a half away. Well, it's not even a month and a half away. It's about a month and a week away. So we got that coming up. Uh, and on the next episode, I will get farther into in a deeper dive into some free agent targets uh, other than wide receiver and some possible trades. So um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on all of our social and follow us on YouTube. We're, uh, Down with the Browns is on YouTube and we're on all, all uh, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And TikTok. We're actually on TikTok. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, just follow us on all that social media. And uh, go Browns. I'm down the block for my Browns. And if anybody's stepping away, it goes down.
of the dope, ready to roll. See us, we coming, we taking the go. Ready for y'all, ready to ball. Not on my team, we gon' get along. Orange and brown, running the town. AFC champs, I'm loving the sound. Ready for steel, ready to rave. Ready for fall, ready to burn. See us, we coming, we starting, we lockin', we passin', we runnin', we touchin' it down. Cleveland, the city, we good, we get it, we been through the ready, we loving the brown. Never will chill, never will lounge. We are the dogs, we are the hounds. Never the fears, we blue and we bleed. So get on your feet, cause we are the brown.